This is episode four of Talent Jackie. Welcome to Talent Jackie. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, where I provide advice and insight to the talent acquisition steps for job seekers, recruiters, and hiring managers. Today, I'm going to talk about candidate withdraw. All right. Not to be confused with candidate withdrawal. <laughs> Sometimes recruiters can go through candidate withdrawal, um, <laughs> and hiring managers may be able to. But no, withdrawing from an offer or declining, backing out of the the steps of hiring um, and consideration for an opportunity is what I'm talking about. So I have an individual um, that I've worked with in the past, um, and he was gracious enough to call in uh, an inquiry. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty good question. And I thought, well, I'll play it on the air and we'll address it in this episode. So I'll let Michael take it over. Listen. Hey, Sean. This is Michael. Just giving you a call in regards to some clarification on the question you had on Talent Jackie Episode 2. I did have a question as far as from the candidate side and want to know, you know, what do candidates see when they, you know, vet out employers and what is the real red flags candidate experience? So what I meant was when they turn down an offer, you know, what really stands out that says, you know what, this is not going to be a good fit? What do they hear in the interview? Maybe it's not just all the money. I have had some experiences where uh, I just lost candidates that I thought I was reeling in for sure and then followed up with them and didn't really get an explanation other than, hey, I had another offer. Well, what was that other offer? What are we talking you know, that X company does differently than Y company. So those are just some of the things that I would like to hear, I guess, from the candidate side as, you know, what prompts a red flag from a candidate to not accept a job offer or what are the differentiators? Hope to hear from you soon. Bye. All right. Again, thank you so much for leaving that voicemail, Michael. So candidate withdraw. I'm going to start out with the candidate's point of view. And what do they see when they vet employers or an opportunity? Specifically the opportunity, because I think the employer makes up that, a component of the opportunity. So we have two types of candidates. We have potentially one that's unemployed, okay, not 
currently working, and then we have another one that is. Now, with those, regardless, there is going to be a list of details that they're going to consider when weighing their next opportunity. The only difference between the two is that when they're unemployed, or if you're unemployed, your flexibility in meeting your expectations are that they both vary, but with the an individual who hasn't worked for a while, whether it's a week or a year, they may have more flexibility with what they're willing to accept, okay, or live with. An individual, a passive candidate, which is one that is defined as currently working and not actively working, hence the active and passive, and is currently working at an employer and not actively seeking their next job opportunity. Both will have in their minds a list of things that they are looking for in their next opportunity. Okay, They may actually list them down on paper and consider the advantages and disadvantages of, of, those, of this list, or it's in their mind and they just don't realize it. Okay, But it, it's going to be considered when an offer comes down, down the road. So let's list some of those things that they may consider. And this is not at all, uh, this, this list is not exclusive. Um, there's other things to be considered, obviously, but I think some of these are the big highlights that you'll definitely want to uh, understand as a recruiter as you're talking to the individual and gaining rapport with the person, okay? Well, number one, and this is not in any priority or ranking, but the first one I think we'll, we'll touch on is title, Okay. Some individuals are looking for their next opportunity to build their career and their background, and through that, the title may come into uh, some importance, okay? Whether it be a manager or a staff-level person wanting to become a manager, manager becoming, you know, a director, director becoming a vice president, executive vice president, that's going to play a role. Now, we all know that those titles range and vary from organization to organization. You know, I've interviewed CIOs for organizations that are about 100 people, maybe 500 people. It's, they're not going to be a CIO of an organization of 4,000, okay? So they'll understand that, or you may just need to flesh that out a little bit, okay? I think you can do that. You're a recruiter. That shouldn't be a problem. But title is one. Number two, oversight. So what will they be overseeing in the new role? What is their, uh, I don't want to say scope of dominance by any means, but what are they going to be in charge of on a day-to-day basis in the new role? Is it different from what they've done before and how? So is it smaller, bigger? Do they have more say, less say than what they've done before? Okay. And it could go either way. They may not have as much responsibility in the new role than they have in their current one. To them, that may be fine with them. They may want to take a a step back from what they've been doing. Okay, It's all right. So don't think that there's a wrong or right answer. The whole goal is to determine a good fit for the hiring manager and the candidate when you're a recruiter. And from a job seeker, You want a good fit for yourself and the hiring manager. There's no sense in having those expectations offset each other and not have it match because then it's just not going to work out in the end anyway. 
All right. So oversight is number two, money, compensation, benefits. Keep in mind, compensation and benefits are two different things. However, they do kind of play off one of another. There are positions that don't pay as well, but the benefits make up for that, right? You don't have to pay as much for benefits. So you're the the money you take home may be just as much or better in the next opportunity that you're seeing. So money, it's going to come down. I mean, the offer is going to outline benefits. It's going to outline salary. The salary is going to be the big front runner. And it's not always the determining factor, but it, it is a factor. Okay. So money and compensation is one. And some people will take cuts in pay. Um, maybe they'll, they'll be closer to home. So it is really kind of a tit for tat type of scenario that these folks are going to get going in their mind, right? Well, I, I mean, it's a lateral uh, as far as compensation goes. However, I don't have to travel 50 miles to my job. I can just travel five. That may be a win for them. Maybe it's not, okay? Uh, organization, when I talk about the organization, I'm talking about the size and the culture and the people, kind of the people culture kind of go together. Um, but that plays, plays into whether this individual will want to accept an offer and a position within the organization. All right. So with culture, it, you may not get that out of an interview. Hopefully you will in just asking the recruiter and as a candidate asking the hiring manager, how how do you do things around here? Um, how much latitude or how much decision-making does a manager have or this person have at this level? Okay. It, it, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, one thing, so I had a candidate who was referred over to me. I interviewed him pretty good. More of the head of IT in a very, very small organization. And I said, I don't know if you'll be a manager in our organization just simply because of the scope that you've had in yours. You know, managing three people in a department of four is good. It's good experience. But in our organization, you're talking about managing maybe two direct reports with a team of 20. Um, I also had heard uh, through our mutual connection that the individual had said, you know, uh, today is going to be not a great day. I'm going to be tied up in meetings. I have two meetings, and it's going to throw off my schedule for the day, and, I, you know, I don't really care for meetings. And he probably even was more negative about it than what I'm portraying. And in the organization that I work, meetings are pretty commonplace, okay? we There's managers that literally start at 8 and go home at 5, 5.30, 6, um, and throughout that entire day they're in meetings, maybe every half hour, maybe every hour. You know, if you don't like, you know, having two meetings in one day, you're not going to have, you're not going to like one day or multiple days being in meetings all day long, right? So there, another thing is that culture piece. How, do, how are things done within the organization? Location is another one. So if I'm commuting an hour right now and I want to limit that to 10 to 30 minutes, you know, you can, that plays a, uh, another uh, decision-making element, right, that you can consider. Um, and then the people who they'll be working with. And I mentioned this a little bit in the culture and organization, but the, the people itself. So when you go and interview as a job seeker, 
with the hiring manager and then the hiring manager may have their manager, they may have a peer manager, or they'll have their customer, internal customer interview you. And if any of those, you know, come in and start hammering their finger on the table and they seem to be a little bit more demanding that what than than what you're used to um, servicing, you may say this this isn't what I want. Um, you know, I love customers. I want to serve them. I want to help them out in any way that I can. But if they come across an inter- interview in a way that is not um, conducive to the way that you want to service them. Obviously, it's going to be a problem. You'll end up butting heads. You're going to work with them almost every day or, you know, you're going to interact with them quite often. And if the interview rubs you the wrong way, you're not going to be very happy in that particular position. All right. And I say that to you, the job seeker. Recruiters, you have to figure out what that is. Um, And that may never, ever come out of fruition or come to fruition, even in feedback. And the reason is is that I think that individual, they may want to be considered for other roles. And if they give you that feedback, they may feel as though they're burning a bridge, right? It's the same reason why a lot of us during exit interviews don't leave any constructive feedback to human resources about their experience in the organization uh, because they don't want to burn any bridges. And it's a small world out there in some industries. And if it ever gets back to the hiring manager, you know, they could talk to other individuals and then soon that person's having a hard time finding a position. So, you know, it's, it's hard to be discreet and be honest, uh, at this, you know, and, and transparent at the same time. So these things are something we have to consider as recruiters. So what, what would lead them, uh, to a different op, taking a different opportunity? Okay. Having said all that, what leads them to back out of your offer? Okay. Well, anything that is contradictory to what they have as an ideal position in their mind based on the criteria I just mentioned in that list. Another thing that we may not consider is reading something online like Glassdoor um, that may indicate a red flag for working either in that position for that manager um, or in that organization. Um, you know, I had actually feedback from an individual who went on Google and started Googling the organization and said, you know, I, they didn't find a lot of flattering information about us for whatever reason. And, but they still came to work for us. I'm like, well, well, I, you know, it's surprising. Why? Okay. So you got all the negative. Well, why did you even come to work for us? Well, you know, they, they thought it was a great opportunity, paid them really well, um, had some potential growth, um, within the organization and so a lot of the good outweighed the bad, which is a good thing. But employers need to realize and hiring managers need to realize that they play a role in the face of their company. So if they tend to drag feet and not get people through interviews, uh, provide valuable feedback, that will impact the organization and their role in recruiting as a whole. Because eventually it'll get out to the open, whether it be Glassdoor.com, social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or just word of mouth. Don't apply to that place. Don't apply to that position because the hire manager is, this took way too long. Their process stunk. 
Um, the information portrayed about the role is not accurate. And all that has to be nipped in the bud so that it's a really good candidate experience and that you can attract talent. And if you don't aren't willing to attract talent in a positive manner, it will cost the organization money. Because then you'll have to go outside the market and then there's relocation costs and then you have to market more and it just becomes something that you don't want to deal with. It's just a bad thing. So hire managers, you have your part. Recruiters, same thing. Um, so how do you weed out or address the issues? How do you, so because, let's think about this, all the steps involved, all the time, because I can feel Michael's pain. I really know what he's getting at. You get this individual, you find them, either they apply directly um, or they re- re- were referred over to you. Regardless, you, you find them and you're going to talk to them. You do a phone screen. You think they're, they've got what it takes. You route their information to the hiring manager. Hiring manager may want a phone interview. I, they, they're intrigued. They want to bring them in for face-to-face. Maybe three face-to-face interviews, two face-to-face interviews. Then they want to do a second round of interviews. Then there's an offer. That's a lot of, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of resources. So as a recruiter, what we're trying to do is mitigate the risk of the individual backing out at the last minute. We want all the information we possibly can have that will address any concerns that they could have when it comes time to an offer. So, And I've explained this to candidates myself. Look, here's the deal. I want to talk about your salary. I want to talk about what you're looking for. Because the one thing I don't want to do is get to an offer stage and you say no. I wanted to just say, hey, you worked out really well. I hope you're really excited about the position. And at this time, they they really should be. Here's an offer. I'll send it over, sign it, and we'll get you started at the time that we discussed. Okay, sounds good, right? All the expectations are done. They're over. It's a slam dunk at that point. The problem is when some of these details aren't fleshed out and they're not uncovered or if the candidate is not being upfront and honest, which does happen. And they do it for a number of reasons. I had one individual, I mean, not only did we get them an offer, we actually bumped it up past their expectation. But life circumstances came into play. Now, he said that he got a counter offer and he stayed where he was. And this was a relocation issue when really it really came down to, I don't think he vetted this through the family, like his spouse and his kids properly to say, hey, we're going to move, you know, a thousand miles to take this new opportunity. I think what happened was it became a very big reality when the offer was right in front of them and that this was going to happen and there was a start date on that offer. Then everything was like, whoa, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Are we really wanting to move to the Midwest with, you know, winters and the frozen tundra? And and whether now he may have gotten a counter offer, that's fine. But even a counter, he could have still taken ours. But there was something underlying that made him stay because if he was looking in the first place, he's not satisfied with where he's at. And it's just a temporary Band-Aid before he leaves to go somewhere else. So really, what is the underlying issue? And so the candidate really may not tell you. That's an unfortunate part of it. I mean, we work in the people business. You know, it happens. It's one of the few, you know, where if you're trying to to work with folks, they can just simply say no and not even really give you an explanation. So... Let's go into how to address 
some of these items to mitigate the risk of that offer falling through at the last minute. And the best time to do that for recruiters is during the phone interview or phone screen with the recruiter, whether you're in staffing or if you're in HR um, as a, a dedicated recruiter. E- and even with hiring managers, they, you hiring managers key in on this, you have a role in this as well because you're going to be pitching them more about your position in your area than maybe even the recruiter. You know the goods and bads with your clients. You know the obstacles that this individual is going to have to overcome in their role. You really got to flesh that out. And by not doing that, you're not doing yourself any favors because they're simply going to realize that after they're in the position, they're going to leave and you're going to have a retention issue. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of transparency uh, because I think if you're transparent, you have nothing to hide. You're going to get what you, what you need in the end. All right. So number one, ask the candidate if they have other opportunities. Do you have any other opportunities? Well, no, I don't. Okay, so you don't have any other opportunities? Have you applied to any other places? Have you interviewed? Um, you have no offers? Well, I've interviewed. Okay, how many uh, interviews have you had and are they in different organizations? Well, I've had one at one organization. I'm in a second interview in another organization. Great. It gives you a sense of where they are in the job search, right? And also provides you, the recruiter, the level of urgency to act upon this individual and to convey that to the hiring manager. If the hiring manager thinks this is a really well-qualified candidate, just based on the resume, they're going to want to pick up the pace. And this is where the recruiter can leverage what the candidate, where the candidate is in their job search. So how long uh, have they been on the job search, right? If they're unemployed, uh, how long have they been looking? Where are things? Is there an offer pending? Um, if they if they received any offers in their job search. And if they say, yeah, I've, I've had a couple offers, but I, I haven't accepted any of them. Then you can go back and you got to, so these are all probe, probe, probe. You get, as a recruiter, you got to probe, probe, probe because they're, they may not think of divulging information, not because they're hiding it from you, just simply they don't think of actually giving it to you. So if they've had an offer, why have they not accepted the offer? Again, that will lead to points you need to consider for this position for your hiring manager. If uh, there, if he does, he or she has an offer, when do they need to get back to this employer? Again, sense of urgency. Um, what appeals to them about this offer? You know, there's some things that you can't compete with. So for example, this offer may be like, you know, a local employer. You're 500 miles away. How are you going to compete with that? And just ask them, say, hey, I, why are you looking to come to, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, when you're in Phoenix, Arizona, um, the weather's nicer and you've got that offer that's five miles down the road. Help me understand how we could even compete with that. And they, they'll tell you and hopefully they'll be honest and upfront with you. Number three, describe your ideal position. If they give you a generic answer, keep probing. Well, you know, I'm, I, I want to work with a bigger team. Great. Can you define that for me? What's a bigger team to you? I want to be challenged. Great. What does that mean? What does being challenged mean to you? All right. And let them explain that to you. Let them elaborate, get that information down so you can relay it over to the hiring manager and they can determine, okay, we're not going to be able to challenge this person. What they've defined is not what we're going to be able to provide. Very easy. Uh, Go through their work history. This is a good one too. 
All right. So when you start out, say, hey, I saw in 2000 you worked for XYZ company and then you were there for four years. Is that correct? Yes. Um, why did you leave that organization? They should tell you, and those are pain points to keep an ear out uh, so that you're not meeting the same thing, right? You're not. So if they say, well, I didn't like my boss. Again, probe. What is it about that supervisor that you didn't like? Well, they're a micromanager, okay? And if you know that this particular position is one that needs uh, oversight, uh, because maybe it's it's a new venture for the company and there's going to be a lot of people that are overseeing it and like to put their input in every day, then this is probably not going to be a great position for them. So obviously here's where you start matching things up or even setting the expectations of the candidate. All right, so describe your ideal position. Well, how did you leave the position? Okay, the next opportunity going through their work history, you say, how did you find your next position? I noticed you went to ABC company after that. How did you find that position? If they sit on the job boards, then they're searching. They were at the time searching for something, um, almost running from something then to something. All right. So they, they, it, it, you could see people that do that. I've looked at job boards, they're opportunists, and they, they do that. And not all of them, but if that person says, well, I had my supervisor leave the XYZ company and went to ABC company, and he called me up a year after and said, hey, I need this, I need an individual in this role, and I worked with you. I think it would be a great opportunity for you. It would be a growth and a step up. Um, won't you please come over? Now you have a referral that really stands behind that individual. So their boss wants to keep them no matter what. Okay, so that's a different scenario than, well, I went on the job boards and found a different opportunity because I was so miserable I had to get out of here. You know, this is an, an instance where their super prior supervisor went to another organization and actively recruited them because they thought highly of them. All right, see the difference? All right, so... Ask them the question, what appeals to you about this opportunity? All right, I noticed you were here, you were here, you were here, you were doing that, you're doing this. Help me understand why you would be good for this, this position. And they'll tell you. Key in and hone in on some of the things that they're talking about. All right, how did you find this opportunity? They'll explain to you. if they Again, I mentioned the job board. They're searching for something. If it was a referral, then someone may know that they're not happy with their current role or that they, they're really good and they wanted to bring them with because they're a treasured resource, okay? They may say, I got a notification off of your, your website, your careers page. Maybe you have a talent community. They sign in and get notifications for job opportunities and one came through their inbox and they applied. That tells you that they want to work in your organization or your organization appeals to them in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you've got a good rapport in the industry itself or in the area as a good employer. So they sign up on your careers page. So if they see something that matches their background, they apply, right? So everything is, those are all good things to ask and probe to determine whether or not everything is going to be a good fit. Now, not everything is going to be, I mean, not everything is roses and I can connect the dots really well. But what you're trying to do, again, is mitigate the risk of them um, declining an offer when it's all done and said, okay? So how do you get feedback when they do decline the offer? Now, this is relatively tough. Um, and it really takes a good recruiter to build rapport quickly. 
And I think by building rapport quickly, by being transparent, upfront, um, timely, that with that rapport, the candidate is more apt to consider you less than, uh, not, not as a recruiter or just a gatekeeper or somebody that reviews documents and just calls and is, you know, takes down notes and sends them to the hiring manager. Then you become an individual that's invested in getting, making the fit happen. So you got to build that rapport and being honest does help do that. So when you get to that position, ask them, okay, hey, I got another offer or I'm not interested. Typically it's going to be, I got another offer. Ask them what that offer is. Um, or was there anything that came to fruition in, in the steps, right? In the phone interview, the face-to-face interviews that may not have appealed to them or, you know, something to that nature. Um, because, and then, then just let them know, say, hey, I can respect that. Is there anything we can do about it? They'll say no. And then just say, well, for my own benefit, is there anything that may have been a, a disconnect in expectations? And namely, it could be where the job posting says one thing, the hiring manager conveys something else. So then there's a disconnect between the recruiter and the hiring manager. Um, and then you want to address that. Maybe it's the level of responsibility. Maybe it's the daily duties. Maybe it's the leadership style of the individual. Now, some may not be as candid and forthcoming with certain details because, again, they don't want to burn a bridge. However, it doesn't hurt to ask and try to get the information out of them. Um, so you can readjust um, and provide feedback. So I had I had this actually happen at one point in time. It was a quick story. I was recruiting for a business continuous improvement consultant. Um, and typically at this level, it's like a black belt, Six Sigma, lean, certified individual. Their whole purpose, if you're not familiar with this type of role, is to work with a business unit and find processes or the business unit has an issue and they want to streamline a process. This individual would come in get all the data, everybody in a room, do some exercises and streamline that process so uh, to something that's definitely more efficient. And so their resumes are really awesome. They they know how to quantify those. So in episode three, um, when I talk about quantifying, these guys uh, and gals know how to do that really well because that's their job. They take processes that take you know a day to do and whittle them down to 30 minutes, whether it's a, a process that involves software or workflow or whatever. Anyways, I had a position like this I was recruiting for. I was talking to an individual. Now this is this position has two kind of facets. There's this leader type position, which is at a black belt level, and then there's another one which is a business continuous improvement. Uh shoot, I cannot remember the title explicitly, but there's also an individual that is more operational and tactical. They'll still meet with customers, but they'll put the information um, into a tool. Um, almost programming to some degree, and then it will spit out a process that will kind of make that it more efficient. And I know I'm really butchering this, and I hope that the hiring manager that I worked with isn't listening to this. But the one there's two differences. One is very high level, um, bigger projects, and then the other one is really almost like a programmer and business knowledge. As a matter of fact, the individual I was looking for was like a recent college graduate in a computer science degree yet really wanted to know about business. So not a programmer, 
and a developer, but one that had those skills that could translate business requirements and business functions and processes and bring those worlds together. The person I was spoke that I spoke to was not that person. They were not a programmer. They didn't do the analytical piece. Um, they were the higher level conceptual business process overview. And we realized that really quick. The salaries were off quite dramatically. And but I you know, we called it called it a day, both realized it wasn't a fit. But what I did was I said, I asked for a referral. I said, You seem to be in that industry. You I'm explaining to you what we're really looking for. Do you know of anybody in your circles that would be interested in an opportunity like this? And he said, as a matter of fact, I do. Let me give them a call and uh, I will pass along your information and they can contact you um, if they're interested. I said, that is more than fine. And I did. I, I was an individual was actually in another state. Um, I thought he had great potential um, and actually had the skills we were looking for. It fell through for ridiculous reasons. Uh, I'm still a little bit miffed at, but nonetheless, um, it just didn't work out. But again, got a referral out of it. I didn't have to hunt down anybody. They were, in my opinion, qualified. It was something else that we disqualified them on, which was really ridiculous. But nonetheless, it can get you some traction into getting something else. So ask them, say, hey, I know, okay, so obviously you're not taking this role. Uh, Do you know anybody else in your circles that would? And then ask for resources. Say, hey, okay, you don't want to, maybe there's not a referral of somebody that you know. Who, where would I find an individual like you? Um, is there any online communities that you belong to or that I should, you know, maybe look into and maybe post this position? Um, and usually folks are willing to help you out in some degree. Um, and then they'll, they'll give you that information. So even if they decline, even if they're not upfront and, and obvious with why they're withdrawing from the opportunity or declining your offer, see if you can get something out of them, like a referral, uh, something of that nature. So I hope this helps out everybody because I think this is a, this one could touch a little bit of the hiring manager, touches a little bit of the job seeker, and obviously the recruiter, uh, that's obvious. So I think that wraps it up for this particular episode of Talent Jockey. Uh, thanks for listening again. Always a pleasure. Hope you're getting something valuable out of this, even if it's one nugget an episode. If you are finding some value out of this, which I, I hope, do me a favor and go to iTunes and write just a, a brief review uh, of the Talent Jockey podcast. What that does do is it gives me added exposure, bubbles me up in the rankings a little bit, um, so that other people find the show um, so that they can benefit from some of the advice that I'm giving. If you have a topic suggestion, feedback, or a question about the whole talent acquisition steps, the hiring, whether you're a job seeker, recruiter, or hiring manager, feel free to email Sean, S-E-A-N, at talentjockey.com, or phone 608-616-0775. Thank you so much. I will let you go. Enjoy your day.